everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, your chief of detectives, Stephen Buja, and joining me from a week in the cold, it's <laughs> the one and only Mr. Matthew Marchetti. Matt, we missed you last week. I know, I know. How you I'm doing? Yes, you were. <laughs> you had, a, I believe, you had a very busy week of it doing was. things yeah, and crazy busy, yeah, and maybe watching some movies. Yeah, I was watching some movies, not not writing so much, but getting ready to write my next chapter for my thesis with a lot of school stuff. I don't know. It just sucks. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it all sucks. Did you get it? So did you get a chance to see it? I did. Yeah. Okay. I posted it. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, can you know, can you give people who, for whatever reason, are not following you at Movie Matinee on Instagram a yeah. little, a little, a little taste? Yeah. I. I mean, I'm a horror nut so it's tough to sort of like not, it's not hard to please me with horror movies it's hard to scare me typically so i i will say as a caveat i didn't find it particularly scary in like the traditional american audience way where the movie makes you jump every three seconds um i did find it incredibly disturbing and i think that's closer to sort of stephen king's um sensibilities anyways so i i loved it i found it to be um exciting it, was, it felt like a big event movie um, and rightfully so. I thought it was emotionally well done. I thought it was acted for the most part very well. I thought the you know the visuals were just crazy, and they just sort of went for it. And um, I mean, I had really a good time. Anytime I think about it, which has been <laughs> a lot a lot since seeing the movie, um, I have very sort of already. That's pretty high praise, considering I can remember like, I guess I was already familiar with the story, but. Fair it's sort of still up there. It's like rattling around, and I just want to see it again. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it was a delightful time. I liked at the, it very much. It was a delightful time at the movies. Uh, my daughter will probably be scar- uh, scarred for life about clowns. <laughs> uh, I found it. Uh, I found it started to drag a little bit. I thought, oh my god, this is a two hour and fifteen minute horror movie. Ooh, haven't haven't done one of those in a while. But overall, definitely go out and see it. I feel like we should have a who's on first little back and forth about the movie, <laughs> but. <laughs> It's just begging for it. However, we are not here to discuss modern horror films. No, we are here to discuss the 1970 Best Foreign Language Academy Award-winning film, Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion, written and directed by Elio Petri, starring, I'm going to screw this up, Jean-Maria Volante, Florinda Balkin, Arturo Dominici, Sergio Tremonti, and I'm sure quite a few others. Uh, for those who are keeping count, Gian Maria Volante, he was Ramon in A Fistful of Dollars, and El Indio in A Few Dollars More. Uh, so he's uh, got a long he's got a long history of working with working in films with a great score from Mor- Morricone. So there is uh, there is that. Matt, had you seen this film before? I had. Uh, really? I have, <laughs> I have. Yeah, I have a Italian movie uh, fascination. Um, I get, it's honestly, it's always like, oh, it's because you're Italian, isn't it? And I'm like, <laughs> hey, yeah, a little bit. I just, I think I had seen a few Italian horror films, of course, and I just really loved that. I like that era in general. I like the like the sort of late '60s into the mid '70s. It's just all, it's so sleazy and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think I just happened to see um this flick uh in the Criterion Collection, and I just thought, well, they usually don't release crap, um, although they do release some crap. Uh, <laughs> well, now. And I said, you know, this sounds cool. This sounds interesting. It's got a, it's 
seemed like it had a great pedigree, and I, I think I had seen it probably, um, probably, yeah, maybe five or six years ago. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever it, well, let's say it came out, it came out first print on Blu-ray in 2013. So okay, that's when I saw it. The, you're, that's <laughs> yeah. very that's very specific, right there. All yeah. right, February 22nd of 2013, I believe. You know what? I like your I like your enthusiasm. You sold it very confidently. I'm going to believe you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, as as for me, I had uh, never heard of this movie. I uh, had never seen it before. It is one of those films that I look at and go, "Man, they would. Uh, why didn't they show us this in film class in, in, at school? Because it's it's a very well done movie." I have to say, did I, so. I love walking into a film with I, when I have no knowledge about anything about it, not even the actors, not even the director. Just just walk in fresh faced, just to be taken on a ride. And a ride is certainly what you are in for when you pop this baby into the Blu-ray or order it uh, streaming. And again, I have to insist: if you are listening to this and have not watched the movie, do not. I repeat, do not. Rent this movie on Amazon. They have a stupid American dub and not the original oh. Italian. It's, oh, I, f- I felt dirty. I was like, oh, no, why would you do this? Get it on uh, Get it on Apple. Uh, the rental lasts a shorter window, but it is in the original Italian. In fact, in fact, they have an option for it. But don't see foreign, don't, don't see live action foreign movies in English. It's, you're, just don't do it, people. Do not do it. Anyways, we're gonna take a short break, and when we come back, we'll <laughs> talk about the <laughs> we'll talk about the uh, 43rd Academy Awards, the best foreign language section. Elio Petri can't be with us tonight. He's preparing a new film, but I'm sure he would want me to say how grateful and thrilled he is to receive this. Thank you. Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion won the Best Foreign Language Film at the 43rd Academy Awards on the night of April 15th, 1971. It was its only nomination and only win, although you could definitely argue that a lot of the rest of this film deserved some recognition. The the Best Picture winner of that year was Patton. Uh, a great, great, great fucking movie. We have previously done an episode on that, and if you'd like to hear uh, my thoughts and special guest commentator James Berard Nelly's uh, thoughts on uh, arguably one of the greatest war movies of all time, by all means, do check that out, of course, after you listen to this. But, Matt, what did Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion, by the way, an extremely wordy title, uh, have to defeat in order <laughs> to claim victory that night. Uh, as usual, a bunch of films by well, some some of the films were involved people that I actually was familiar with, but oh. um, none of which I had seen. So there was, uh, as usual, we have a nice kind of wide demographic here. We had a movie uh, entitled First Love from Switzerland. Right, hold on. I, 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 and uh, and first, first of all, I just want to say this is. Uh, I wrote down plot descriptions for all of this, but this one stands out. About yeah. two young lovers in Tsarist Russia. One is a 21-year-old <laughs> woman, the other a young man of 16. Things take a tragic turn as a girl falls in love with the boy's father. Boom. Meet Pamela. Day for night. That's that movie. Right there. That's it. 
Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. Okay, continue. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce this one, but it's a French film about the Vietnam War. I'm going to say it's pronounced Ho Bin. I think it's pretty, like, phonetic there. I don't think they have much inflection. It's, it's spelled H-O-A-B-I-N-H. H. So yeah. Vietnamese will troll me, but... Um, we do have a sizable population of v- Vietnamese listeners. Uh, I don't I don't know why. We just, you know, I think it's all the Vietnam War movies we've talked about. They just they just can't get enough of them. They want they want to know what it was like from the other side, I think. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh that that one's that that one sounded like a real a real, uh, you know, pick me upper. So 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 yeah. super. <laughs> all right. What's next? I will say, uh, oh. Other than other than the film we're going to discuss today, the other four were all very short though. They were all like 90 minutes. I was Oh, I, I love they're short movies. Short films, like nine hours long. Like, yeah. Oh. All, I think they're all in the 90 minute range. I know. Yeah. So, no, not, 90 minute movies the, are the best, man. I <laughs> love them so are, much. They're the best. Yeah. Three act structure, predictable. You can fall asleep and wake up and just be like, I know where I'm at. I get that. <laughs> uh, okay. So, moving on to uh, Belgium. Uh, we had a film entitled Peace Over the Fields. Which just, you know, it sounds really boring, and then there's a murder, some, some sort of murder, allegations of murder, and I was like, all right, I, okay. I could be into this. Like, usually Flemish farmers aren't the most exciting subject matter, but when murder is involved... <laughs> Ooh, sign me up. Then, Makes everything better. Yep. And then the last film was uh, a Spanish film entitled Kusana for the, from the great uh, Louis Bunuel, who's like... Yes. Uh, insane. Oh, insane man! Oh, the man's a man. Like man is madness. He is, yeah. <laughs> Street Charm of the Bourgeoisie is like one of my favorite films of all time. It's just an insane film. I can't wait to discuss that. that discuss that one. It has, it has the uh, the eternally beautiful Catherine Deneuve, which is, you know, yeah, God, she's, she's, she's ridiculous. Oh, she's amazing. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, um, so had you seen any of these films before? Yeah, no, I, I mean, <laughs> there will come a time when we have exhausted every movie that has won, and we're just be like, all right, we're just fucking pick a movie that was nominated just so, just so we can keep this going. But um, I mean, they they a lot of them sound very interesting, and uh, you know, I would love to get to them, but man, I got we got the actual winners because this is America, and we care about who wins. We don't care who about who came in second place. Yeah, buddy. Um. But yeah, no, go, uh, you know, it's 70s uh, foreign films. They're, 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 they're a trip and a half, I got to say. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. But we are not here to discuss them. We are here to discuss Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion. Really got to come up with a shorter way. Maybe Investigation. Let's <laughs> pick a word. We'll figure that out. We're going to take a, a very short break. And when we return... We'll finally start talking about this movie. Voi saprete tutti che io fino a ieri mi sono occupato di assassini e con un certo successo. Non è senza significato che abbiano destinato proprio me in questo momento 
alla direzione dell'ufficio politico. Ciò è stato deciso poiché, tra i reati comuni e i reati politici, sempre più si assottigliano le distinzioni che tendono addirittura a scomparire. Questo scrivetevelo bene nella memoria. Sotto ogni criminale può nascondersi un sovversivo, sotto ogni sovversivo può nascondersi un criminale. Nella città che ci è stata affidata in custodia, sovversivi e criminali hanno già steso i loro fili invisibili che spetta a noi di recidere. Che differenza passa tra una banda di rapinatori che assaltano un istituto bancario e la sovversione organizzata, istituzionalizzata, legalizzata? Nessuna. Le due azioni tendono allo stesso obiettivo, sia pure con mezzi diversi, e cioè al rovesciamento dell'attuale ordine sociale. 6.000 prostitute schedate, un aumento del 20% di sciopero e di occupazione di edifici pubblici e privati, 2.000 case d'appuntamento accertate, in un anno 30 attentati dimostrativi contro la proprietà dello Stato, 200 stupri in un anno, 50.000 studenti delle scuole medie in corteo per le vie della città, un aumento del 30% della rapina degli assalti alle banche, 10.000 schedati in più fra le file dei sovversivi, 600 omosessuali schedati, più di 70 gruppi di giovani sovversivi che agiscono al di fuori dei limiti parlamentari, un aumento del 50% delle bancherotte fraudolente dei protesti cambiari, un numero indescrivibile di riviste politiche che invitano alla rivolta. L'uso della libertà minaccia da tutte le parti i poteri tradizionali, le autorità costituite, l'uso della libertà che tende a fare di qualsiasi cittadino un giudice, che ci impedisce di espletare liberamente le nostre sacrosante funzioni. Noi siamo a guardia della legge, che vogliamo immutabile, scolpita nel tempo. Il popolo è minorenne, la città è malata, ad altri spetta il compito di curare e di educare, a noi il dovere di reprimere. La repressione è il nostro vaccino, repressione e civiltà. Bravo, bravo dottore, complimenti. Bravo dottore, bravo! Bravo! bravo. Ma non applaudite, ma io non sento, io non so. Con modestia, con modestia, al lavoro, al lavoro, eh? Al lavoro. Uh, Matt, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a lot of folks probably have not seen this movie. So, sorry, we're probably going to spoil it for you. But the movie is almost 50 years old, so you're going to have to deal with it. What does IMDb say this film is about? Oh, yeah, I got it right here, baby. Um, a chief of detectives, homicide section, kills his mistress and deliberately leaves clues to prove his own responsibility for the crime. Ooh. I, I just sounds. yeah it's it sounds nefarious i love the way it's it, it makes it seem like the guy's name is homicide section just with the way the the it's like well like obviously obviously he was going to grow up to be in that job like you're you're setting that kid up right, for just no, one no, job no. <laughs> anyways yes that is how that is how the film starts it begins with an unnamed uh, character, I think, is he's just basically the detective Il Dottore. Well, I'm, butch- yep. I'm butchering my Spanish, my Italian. 
who uh, meets this beautiful woman, Florinda Balkan, kills her for reasons that do not become apparent until much later, and then stages the crime scene basically in a weird sadomasochistic way of going like, well, how far can I push this power that I have? And that's really what the film is about. It's not about this... um, uh, this, the, you know, it's not. It's not really about the investigation so much as it is about this character's just pushing the limits of uh, his power and what people will do to him, if any. Because like he wants to be caught so bad. It's this. He's got this weird sort of thing going on where he's like, he's this great, powerful man. He's a homicide detective in a major Italian city. Might might be Rome or wherever. And yet, he has to kind of get his. He wants to like just feel like he doesn't have it. He wants to like be out of control <laughs> and be brought to justice yeah. for it. And everyone refuses to do it. And what it becomes ultimately is uh, director Elio Petri's commentary on the corrupting uh, influence of power, especially when it's the it comes to the men mostly men charged with upholding the laws the 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 police and how uh that can really fuck with you because like oh i can do all this stuff and nobody's gonna get nobody's gonna (laughs) call me out on it why don't i just keep doing all this stuff so um well let's uh let's discuss the main uh the main character uh how would you first describe him (laughs) <laughs> like physically? <laughs> oh no, just like his 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 like just his mannerisms, like it, it just is anything. Like or or if you want, you just be like, how would you how would you cast him in the remake? Oh God, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because he's like he's meant to sort of like blend into other people, but at the same time, there's just like this sort of icy exterior he has that is just completely impenetrable at times. Like you're watching him perform. And you're you're not quite sure if you're getting like him the person or him the like persona he's trying to put forward in that moment, mm-hmm. and they all sort of blend together. And it's not confusing, by the way, audience. It's just sort of it's done in a sort of interesting way. Um, you always obviously know who you're getting. It's just that he sort of he goes through these different personas that he puts on performance-wise for different people. Right. Um, his boss, people below him, women around him, different people, and it's just fascinating sort of um like chameleon approach and i sort of like the fact that like physically he's he has a very striking dark face and it's really hard to forget i'm looking at it right now and i'm i'm even feeling a little like (laughs) but he also has this ability to just sort of get rid of all of that and just sort of blend into what's going on around him and i think that's also testament to the film um it's sort of he's he's our main character but sometimes he's he's almost swallowed up by the background stuff what's going on around him sometimes he's center stage Sometimes he's just another sort of face in the crowd. Um, the investigation scene, the crime scene investigation you've already alluded to about the, the woman that gets killed in the beginning. He's sort of just in there, and there's all these other people around, and you're but you're looking for because you know, like this is the guy. Like I know what he's capable of doing. Um, mm. I don't know if that's a good description of him, but no, that's a perfect description. <laughs> I, I had the word chameleon down here as well. He uh, he he could easily be a 007 character. Like yeah. he's handsome enough to be able to 
you know, ingratiate himself in that way, but also he's so forgettable. You're like, oh, that's he's totally, completely, typically average in terms of looks, and that that plays to his advantage because what he does, he doesn't wear his, uh, you know, he he puts on, as you say, numerous different masks. I love I, I love how he's such a, j- a overbearing jerk to the um, to his underlings. Because recently he he was uh, the day he commits this murder is the day he gets a promotion to the head of the political crimes division, whereas once he was just the chief of homicide, and so he's basically he takes every opportunity to cut <laughs> down the uh, the guys who uh, take his place because they're inferior, and he's like, well, if you can't catch me, then you know you you're, you, you, you what can he do? But when he goes to his boss, who Dead ringer for the guy who plays Mr. Big on Sex in the City. I got I, like I I'm, I was like <laughs> yes, like him, yeah. <laughs> absolutely that guy. He, the, uh, the the detective becomes this like this um, this almost pathetic kind of groveling character, and I was watching and go like who does this fucking guy remind me of? And then it hit me, he's Christian Bale from American Psycho. He's yep. like that's like this is what that character is. I mean, he's literally a psychopath. He just puts on. He's manipulating people constantly throughout, and you know each situation he reads the power dynamics and adjusts accordingly. I think that I think his truest face actually is when he's uh, approaching the uh, the guy to buy the, to buy all the blue ties because the blue ties, yeah because yeah. the blue ties are this it's this um, one piece of evidence. He left like a little strand of his blue tie, and he just. Is like he admits it all, and it just in this like completely stone faced way, and you're like, dude, this guy is like, I do not want to meet this guy in any alley, let alone the, let alone daylight. Like, oh my god, he is terrifying, and he's just so he didn't he was proud of his accomplishments and just admitting to it. Like, what, what? I dare you, I dare, you. do it, do it, do it, and sure enough, nobody. Nobody ever gets him for it because nobody wants to get him for it because after you know at the end of the day, dude's still a cop and it's so fascinating and it's a film that um, some forty seven years on is uh, I think maybe even more relevant given the nature of the uh, say the blue wall of silence that you know you know the code the the, the police code that you know you protect you you protect your own before. Above all else, and it's um, I think it's something that democracies themselves uh, really have to have to confront a lot is this uh, corruptibility of police force. Not 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 even from outside influences, just from within. Like it's so it's so easy to to go. I can literally get away with murder because I know how they're going to operate, and that's fine. And it, oh, he is just so such a fucking fantastic uh character he's you know powerful and pathetic he's smooth and just uh and mewling he's a cold-blooded killer but he's also like the fucking most charming guy in the room like i want to work for him he's like he's <laughs> throwing a party he knows everybody's name he brings champagne in like yeah he's giving wine to the suspects because well you know i'm having a party everybody should everybody should be having this he is it is such a fascinating character study that um, I, I, you know, they were originally going to remake this with 
Paul Schrader writing the script, yeah. and I think uh, at one point Sydney uh, Sydney Lumet Lumet was attached, but you know nothing ever came of it. Oh, like this movie would update so well oh, yeah. to it. Um, there's um, what do you think of the various like speeches this guy gives? Because he is very impassioned about he hates those damn liberals, yeah, a lot. Uh, how do they how do they work for you in this context? I I think if not for the sort of shifting faces he puts on, they would be. I mean, they're they're overbearing, but they're sort of supposed to be. Um, but and I think if he didn't sort of shift between these different personas, it would be maybe perhaps too much in, within the film. But I, it's just another version of himself, and he's just constantly flexing like authoritarian powers muscle, and you're just like. You're you're saying that that's what we need to do, but we've we've watched you sort of skirt around authoritarian power the entire time. So we know that you're you're a hypocrite, which makes what you're saying hypocritical, and that makes it sort of darkly hilarious. Um, and it's also just a really interesting sort of bird's eye view into how certain people saw you know governmental power in Italy in the 70s and how some people still see it in the, in Italy right now. Um, there's a a really chilling moment where I think he equates he equates like violent liberalism to homosexuality, and you're just like, oh, yeah. buddy, like come <laughs> on, <laughs> and you you like, but of course, of course he went there, and how topical and, and connected to modern what we're seeing in the news right now, like that those sort of fire and brimstone speeches, it, it seems so over the top when you watch it, but then you look at the news every other day, and it's not that over the top, unfortunately. And like you said, it, it does really connect to things that are happening in the world today. And I think um, that's horrifying. That's horrifying that there's people like him that, that do this. Um, but it's also just fascinating that you can watch a film from 1970s Italy and you're like, I can connect it to modern geopolitical things in the world in 2017. That's insane to me yeah. <laughs> like and depressing very yeah. depressing it's ins- yeah it's insane it's insane and depressing because like oh what shit we haven't learned anything <laughs> we're still right, nothing, changed, right? <laughs> nothing it's like maybe maybe some account there's more accountability like nope no there's no more accountability there's oh, there, yeah. i feel like there's even less accountability <laughs> I, it's, it's oh it's so fucking depressing i um so uh we watched network last week uh very sorry you missed out on that conversation it was a great one we had shahir dowd from the only podcast about movies on great this speech i think just having having had watched that movie i was like oh it's trying to be network obviously network came out six years later but i it's very much this is what the director is equating the right wing leaning police force of italy to be doing he's basically saying police equals fascists you know there's like will destroy is the 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 enemy of the liberal agenda the prog- the progressive movement that's happening all over the world at this time and it's a little on the nose yeah it's so on the nose and but it wor- it works it works because volante is such a good actor he is absolutely phenomenal in this role and and it's his ability to shift between those personas but you know, to like to put to just grant he great grandstands when he needs to. He's you know small and pathetic when it it is called for. He knows right. how to play every scene, every situation to his advantage. Everything except I think 
his time with Augusta, played by the uh, stunningly beautiful Florinda Baldwin. Wow. Man, I think if, like, I thought, and it was walking, I'm like, man, this guy is, he's all sorts of fucked up. He's a hypocritical. He's damaged. He's clearly got something going on in his head. She's a, she's a bad apple. And then we see what Augusta does. And when, and it's it's sort of like we have this it works their character arcs sort of work in reverse and this is obviously funny because she is killed within the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we are we are taught to fear and sort of like oh, oh god, this guy is the worst. He's he's terrible. But then it's slowly the film what it does so sort of slowly breaks down and reveals that he's really just he's a pathetic bully at the end of it. But and you know, we, we feel but at the opposite end beginning we feel bad for augusta because well she's dead <laughs> i mean that's like like oh shit that sucks for you and you know that's you fun. see you just like wanted to like you're just having this affair with this guy sure whatever but then we you know we start to learn that we should like she is she is as much a monster i think as as he is for very different ways reasons obviously you know, given the sexual politics of the game so um mm-hmm. I was just wondering, what is to you? What is uh, what is Augusta's deal in this? Like, how how did you see the character? Um. So, one of the and we see it in this movie. I think one of the sort of unfortunate staples of um, Italian cinema in this era and and in eras before it and unfortunately after it is this you know really Italian really, cinema then. Yeah, Italian, yes, Italian <laughs> cinema. Yes. <laughs> um. Well, not maybe not modern modern but you know the 80s um but yeah we can probably just do a blanket italian cinema on this one i think that's safe to say um it's this idea of um you know this patriarchy this, and again this authoritarian power and this really sort of mis- misogynistic bent that runs through a lot of these films and i was really sort of i was i was refreshed to see that augusta sort of challenges that it feels like a less, a, a more intense sort of challenge of masculinity in things we would have seen in the 30s and 40s and 50s from uh, directors, American directors like Howard Hawks and John Ford, where they're like, see, like, we have strong female roles. We just sort of cover them underneath Cary Grant and John Wayne and things like that. But you're, you know, you can sort of see it in there. This is like, no, I'm challenging every bit of masculine power you think you wield in very interesting sort of psychosexual ways that still fit into the themes of the movie. So she's, I mean, yeah, she's she's a nutcase in her own way, but she's sort of a badass because, I mean, in, in terms of the, the filmmakers, because she challenges not just um, not just his masculinity and his masculine power, but sort of all of all of men's masculinity in the same way. I felt like Jesus, I gotta, if I see this lady, I'm like equally as scared of her, but for different reasons. Like, and that's it's sort of alluring and terrifying all in the same. So like, they're they're a dangerous sort of duo both of them together you think they're kind of far apart from one another but then you realize how how kind of lined up they can be at times and in fact that she sort of is more powerful in a lot of ways than he is <laughs> it's just oh yeah just, just yeah terrifying. she was the one who reached out to him i loved their uh yeah courtship i suppose you can call it where she's <laughs> calling him the yeah. the chief of police because she just goes all right that's the top dog that's yeah. like that's alpha male right there even though the alpha male um, notion of wolf pack is has been dismissed, but regardless, alpha male right there. Um, let's go get him. And 
take them down a notch or two and have a little fun while while we do right. it. <laughs> they they engage in oh I I like it's the weirdest fucking thing. Like this is like I could see why this would be a turn on to these two people, but man, it's creepy when they're like, "All right, and now you're gonna now you're gonna play the dead girl from this this past crime scene." There were there were records strewn about and jazz, and it's like you're like, man, I've done some weird shit in my time, but like you're this is this is a whole different level that that's going on there. But yet it works so well for the characters because you know, at one point you like. You go, oh well, of course, obviously, one of them was going to die, and it's probably going to be her because, like, that is just the next step in this. This is this is how they feel. They kind of like they kind of get off on death a little bit. It's uh, it seems to be one of the undertones, and it's fascinating work. And I, you know, and as you, I do absolutely have to agree with you there. Like, she is every bit as powerful as he is in the way that the patriarchy allows her to be as a woman, as an Italian woman in the seventies, yeah. especially you got to like, there's no fucking joke right there. You're a, you are a tough lady yep. uh, to, uh, to say the least. And I, and you know, she's also beautiful. It, just, uh, she's a great character. Um, we had a, we had a question from online from Twitter from uh, super fan Ronnie Castle asking why didn't Volante get best actor nomination? And I go, well, you know, uh, nobody was. No- first of all, nobody was beating George C. Scott. Just, just let's yeah. let, let's get let's let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> for Patton. But second of all, I would honestly say, like, as great as he is, I you know, if I had to give a nomination to one of them, I would probably give it to uh, Balkan. Just because you know he he has a great he has a great meaty role, but her role is so not what you expect from, and from a, a fridge girl. She's because she gets fridged right at the beginning of the movie. She gets killed, and like that sets off the plot in a weird way. But I I think she, I think she is just great in this, and uh, she's just uh, absolutely wonderful. And I, r- I really do have to say, folks. If it's not coming through in our voices, you have to go see this movie. Yeah. Um. So finally, what? Uh, the absurdist Italian stuff comes into play at the end. Mm. I fucking love this ending. Um. Did did it happen? Did he actually confess? What was going? On? Was that a dream? Was it all a dream? His his was that his imagination of them doing that? Well, in my understanding or, or sort of, you know, looking at um, this film and, and this director, Petri loved um, Kafka, just loved Kafka. So to me, in this sort of nightmare world he creates and, and you know, sort of power struggles and power structures and things like that, I, I sort of well, – I like the ambiguity of it, and I sort of feel like that was that was intentional. I did sort of read – that the original ending was supposed to be the sort of dream sequence. They were originally just going to be like, yep, that's it. He just gets away with it, and we know for sure. But then somebody involved in the movie, maybe the producer, it's always the producer, they said, no, let's have the police still show up after this dream sequence, but let's not show any... But, like, let's let's just leave it like that. Um... So, 
I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I guess that's the beauty of it. It's, it's, it's ambigu- it, ambiguity is sort of left up to you. Do you think he deserves it? Do you think he doesn't deserve yeah. it? I, I think, I think he, I think he thinks he deserves it. He's got, he's, in, in the end, he yeah, does, he's, yeah. he's a, he's an insecure bully who's wrapped himself in the shroud of power, but deep down he's just scared and he wants to be punished so bad. And he's like, yes, I did it. And he's coming up with like the shoes. They're mine. Like, can't you see? And they're they're all like, "Well, yeah, I got the same shoes. Look at me, same yeah, shoes." Shit. We're just like, "What? Like, that's not weird at all." It's like, no, he's oh, it's so he's riddled with such uh, guilt about it. It's it's great, and I do. I I I love the reference you make because it's such a fun word to say. But yeah, man, this is so Kafka esque at it the is. end, and yeah, it's. I thought you'd like that. I, oh, I, oh, I love that. I love that. It's da-da and weird. Isn't it perfect, though? Like, he he's such an, a sociopath and a psychopath that he he can't let the system that he believes in so strongly fail, even if it means he's going to be, he's going to be found guilty of a crime. Like, he's so, like, in somewhere in there, he's just like, oh, one of those personas, that fire and brimstone persona can't take the fact that he can get away with a murder <laughs> like regardless of what how he did it how clever it was or wasn't he, there's some part of him that's just like no this is awful but it's not because he feels bad about the crime it's because he feels bad because the system is failing oh. that's really isn't that terrifying oh, like, that's, that's a awful. that's like, a oh. that's awful but it's awesome it's a great it's yeah. a it's a great read on it yeah because he he's a he's a system man he's a, he's a man who is there to protect the system like uh like Ned Beatty in Network he's you know the system will course correct itself given enough time and sure enough like he he's a very good cop he's he he runs a he, by all accounts he runs a very tight ship and they are very good at their jobs and you're right he will not let this one stand even if he like he says like yeah we should check out this guy and it's like no nah, well Let's no, not this guy because that because he knows like that's not the fucking guy. Like, do your fucking job. Right. Just like be better cops. Don't just get it off the board. Be better at your job. Oh man, that is that is fast. He's such a perfectionist that even now he can't uh, he can't stand to let the system fit. Oh man, dude, I love that. Um, by the way, what is uh, what is the deal with eating salt? Do you know anything about that? I'm going to ask you because you're you're Italian. You know, I actually was going to like that up and i and i completely had spaced about it eating salt as a punishment something like that and see if it was something cultural but i didn't i was eating salt at the time i mean i don't know I don't, it looks I, like it's sort of a um i don't know i'm sure I mean, yeah i mean i like google, either way it's google, a, is, google is depressing me. <laughs> either way it's a either way it's a dick thing to do like earlier when he's uh interviewing one of uh, another suspect for the crime that nobody committed he has them drink salt water. Yes. Uh, which, you know, I guess, you know, that's not something you're supposed to do because that's really bad for your system. So salt would be the same thing. But it's just one of those little little bits that could also be pure Kafka-ness coming on. Just like, well, what's the weirdest thing that could happen? Like, yeah, how about, a, how about he, eat, he eats salt? Like, okay, and then what? And then what? Well, then how about there's a, yeah. there's a table set up where they toast to the man's innocent? At the end, like yes, let's throw that that in there. Like, what is happening? in This scene, I love it so much. I don't want it to end. And like, wait, is this really happening? Of course, it's not actually happening. Oh, it's um, 
anything else on on uh, investigation of a citizen above suspicion? Wow, your face is like, oh man, why do you, why are you asking me that? <laughs> I'm close to discovering the salt. Oh, you're close to discovering the salt. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I love. I love. Um, just the the look of Italian films in the '70s. I just you know the the, the, the sort of um, really like deep colors you'll get, and in just this really just excellent. I don't know. Everything about it just is like it's just hazy wherever they are all the time, and it feels like you're in a place like Italy where it is it is fairly warm, and you get that that sense of that. It feels everything is like falling apart, right? We're in, we're you know we're in a post World War II country, so all these buildings are still sort of like in in disrepair. Like I love the I love Italian cinematic style, particularly with the cinematography. These the, the quick zooms, these 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 faraway pans and tracking shots, where you'll eventually sort of reveal somebody, you know, down the street, and you don't know what you're looking for, but they sort of give you this this feeling of paranoia, and you don't even know why you're paranoid. Like you don't even know why you should feel that, but you somehow feel it. Um, there's something really oppressive about the style, and I think oppressive an oppressive style fits perfectly with the themes in this movie. I would say so. I do love the they blatantly change lenses and don't even bother trying to hide it. They're like, yep, we're a wide lens and now we're close up. <coughs> and you see you see you see the actual change. Oh, yep. it's and they leave it like Good. that's not that's something you would not see in a in a in a, in a American film certainly. It's great. Yeah. And um well finally we have to talk about this is uh scored by the one and only Aneo Morricone or Coney, whichever. Uh it's not um this is not usually what I would expect when I hear that he is doing something. I was honestly taken aback by this score because it is <laughs> it is so it's so dissonant yeah. and it it fits. He is a he is one of the greats for a reason because he can f- find the theme and go like, "All right, I know I know what this should sound like." But man, it it took me a little while to get used to that. Bang, and the, the, the mouth harp. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's what that was. It was so. It was yeah, so. Great. It was so off kilter. Like yeah. this is like when I hear I hear Italian movie, I'm gonna think like arias and other other poetic shit like that. But here oh. it's uh, here it's great. What it like? I kind of want to buy this this record. It's great. What uh, what what do you think of? This? I I love it, and it, it um. Are aware of this or not? He he scored a ton of um, Italian films in the '70s that were sort of you know lesser known in the states, but were super popular there. He was a um, a big proponent of the sort of Italian murder mysteries. They're called giallo. Um, he scored a ton of them, and they are very weird, very exploitative, very trashy. So when I heard the score for this the first time, it was like, oh, yeah, that's what he sounds like. Because all, so many of his movies have this sort of off-kilter, strange feel to them. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, for I think for, like, you know, an American audience who's used to sort of the films he scored here, it doesn't have that sort of classical Italian film feel, this Western-type feel, this sort of big, epic feel. It has sort of this sort of, this sort of like, bouncy childness to it almost. And I think that's perfect because that's – Maybe the score, and this is maybe a stretch analytically, but maybe the score right away is sort of revealing the main character's sort of true persona, this sort of uncomfortable man-child who doesn't feel like he can fit in and just trying to deal with his masculinity. 
how do they display that? How do they display sort of the farcical myth of everything that's going on in the movie by using this ridiculous mouth harp and all this silly music? Um, and I think it works perfectly. I like any time, <coughs> excuse me, I like any time when something can contrast something else in a film. So if you contrast a scene of like sexuality and murder with this carnival-esque silly music, <laughs> I think that is just fantastic. It just it just always will work for me because I'm just like, I don't know what to expect. I'm like, something bad is going to happen. This music is definitely telling me something bad is going to happen. This is way too up- uplifting for the title of this film. <laughs> yeah. And then something bad happens, and yeah. you're like, I knew it! <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> so I love it. I love it. But yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. It, it, it does good good stuff. It's the kind of music where I thought, you know, like if a clown shows up in a sewer right now, I'd like I that totally makes sense. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. Um like uh like network from last week, which uh it, it's billed as a satire on maybe Italian culture, masculinity, police force. Fifty years on, is 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 this a satire? Like does that Still hold up as a one. Oh, that's sad. Maybe it, yeah, it, it may have evolved. I think we are. We kind of started touching on this. It, the film may have evolved and it's and it sort of gone away from that and has become something entirely different. Like it really feels like a sort of scathing look at power structures and, and government power structures within the police. Um, I mean, if you look at <clears throat> just just a thing, if you look at, I mean, uh, IMDb's kind of generic division, it just it's under crime and then drama. There's no sort of comedy or anything in there, which doesn't surprise me necessarily. It's not – if it's a sort of dark comedy, that it's sort of that kind of underneath everything, but it's the less uh, obvious of the, of the generic descriptors. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's an element of it. This is a great example of a movie that I think <clears throat> meant something in 1970 to a lot of Italians. You, you mentioned earlier the um, uh, Amazon only having the English dub. That's – pretty common most italian films weren't shot with sync sound at all because it was just expensive and they didn't do it and they were lazy like the lens changes that's what reminded me of this (laughs) so if you see a movie where the italian actors are actually speaking and and most of the italian i should back up most of the italian actors actually would speak the lines in english and then they would dub them in italian for italian audiences but a lot of italian films wanted to have international appeal so they just shot them already with people saying the words in english so when they dubbed it with english actors you're like okay it lines up this movie doesn't do that. The actors are speaking Italian, which leads me to believe that the film wasn't designed for mass appeal. It was designed as a really specific laser-focused attack at, at, at Italy in 1970. And that's fascinating. But now it's sort of become this broad, like, napalm run against just, like, <laughs> governmental structures and masculine power in general. And that's fucking awesome. I mean, that's like... I, I mean, I loved this movie going in, but now I'm just like... I also want to let people know I was having a really shitty day and I'm like feeling like a million bucks right now. So so thank thank this movie and thank you, Steve. Um, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The evolution of the film because of the world around it. That's just fantastic. Yeah, it's <coughs> the best satire becomes prophecy at one point or yeah. another. Network is like we're living in network now. I know. And we are. Ah. Uh, it's. I was watching this like, oh god, everything everything has happened except everything killing a dude. <laughs> what? Why? And and this and this is no different. This is every cop that gets away with shooting somebody. This is yep. all the. This is all everything that those the college kids are protesting. Everything we w- were working hard to try and 
not eliminate, but just limit. We need to put some limits on these things, on this just ancient notion of this this patriarchal masculinity, this like powerful guys in charge, because you know, shit happens and like right. we don't need we're moving to a more equitable world and we need to we gotta drag ourselves you and me kicking and screaming and then screaming. Sure, <laughs> then let's then let's do it because like like maybe maybe one of the comments is the film is saying is that deep down like we understand it like i think that i think the detective understands that what the tide that is coming is not going to be stopped by anything and he's railing against it as a last gasp that you know a wounded creature might give when confronted with its demise it's like i'm not i'm gonna i'm doubling tripling down on on everything i believe in because it's mine and i refuse to change even though deep down <laughs> even though i think deep down he this character is smart enough and savvy enough and worldly enough to know that uh, my time is passing and it is right time to move on and you know these kids these kids they're they're gonna be in, they're gonna be in charge and we just gotta we just gotta admit to that and it's fucking great Oh my God! Really? I I can't recommend this movie enough. Final thoughts, Matt? Do you have anything else to add? No, I, I mean <laughs> I. We always talk about universality and that sort of being a you know a sort of a deciding factor in a lot of these films' staying power. But I and, I and I'm sure if we looked back on some of the stuff we've discussed, we'd see that there were other ones, other films. They all sort of do inherently. That's just how art works. It sort of evolves throughout the years. But this one, for some reason, it just feels different in a way and um really just sort of fascinating it's also like it's actually just just on a sort of practical side for a movie that that features basically one murder uh that's sort of almost completely bloodless and then the rest of the film is basically like a sort of drama with other things going on around it and it's almost two hours it does not feel long it's paced very well it's very exciting for not having um, typically exciting plot elements in it, um, and I think that's part of it too. It's it's damn entertaining, but it also just makes you go like, oh my god! Like I'd love to watch this with someone who was just so like blockheaded, and they were just like, what do you mean he didn't get away with it? He got away? Did he not get away? Like that doesn't happen. And I'm like, it doesn't happen. I mean, just put in, just just go to Google. Go to Google right now, right. bad boy. You. Matt's really got it in for Google today. I just, yeah, no, I hate him. <laughs> hate Google. No, I love Google. We love you. Sorry, sorry, Google. Sorry, sorry I, mean, Google. I, I know you're listening. Please don't cut me off. Don't cut me off, Google. I need you. Oh uh, yeah, I I gotta say, uh, my final thought is you should absolutely go see this film if you want to understand the mind and mentality of those in charge with forcing with enforcing the law of any country of any constitutional country. Then like this may be a good place to start. I think I think this will 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 key you in, and things may start to make a lot more sense for our present day. Despite being uh, made in 1970, it is a very timeless film. I think that we that it's sad that it is. I would love to say that you know, oh, 50 years on, no, this <laughs> this is like yeah. weren't they weren't they crazy back then? Those post Mussolini types. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> They're nuts. We're, we we're move, we move past that. We have a female president. Ah. <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyways, uh, 
Folks, thank you so much for listening. This has been Oscar Watch. You can drop us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to find us on social media at oscarwatchpod and find us on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. It helps people get the word out. And I got to say, so Matt, I know you're excited. So we are, of course, approaching the month of October. And because October is so great, but it's only four Thursdays, we're going to make it five Thursdays in our Halloween sort of watchathon, where we will look back at movies that have been nominated for Best Picture that could potentially fall under the horror genre. And next week, we actually have a winner, the psychological 1940s Alfred Hitchcock-directed thriller rebecca starring i believe Lawrence olivier yep is on tap finally uh, um yes it's finally available on blu-ray and that's why we can do yeah. it is that came out, baby. just, just came out okay oh, yeah. for you for you sir we're going <laughs> to be yeah through the month of october we're going to look at some of the nominees for best picture no, you can probably figure out which ones we'll let you do that and we'll just reveal them as we go along but it'll be a different sort of show lots of four-year reconsiderations matt i am sure will pick a great little horror movie for an un-oscar edition as well i just pitched you looking at a wall and going just, i just 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 breaking down this is like you're covered in dvds you just don't know what to do <laughs> Scrooge McDuck, but DVDs. Horror DVDs, just all of them. It's all of them out. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, as you can tell already, we're having a blast, having a blast. But I'm at, <laughs> but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Rebecca for next week. Matt Marchetti, where can people read your reviews on today's films? You guys can find me on uh, the Instagram at movie underscore matinee with two P's. Um, try to do a movie review a day. I've been a little slack with um, work and writing and stuff like that. But uh, the month of October approaching soon, I will have a 31 Horrors of October. It's my like yes. Well, I'll have a horror movie uh, every day of the month of October. Not will not include the films that we're doing on the podcast. I don't really write reviews for them just because it feels like it feels disingenuous. I'll be like, hey Steve, I think this about this movie on the podcast, and then I'll write the review and be like. Hey, Steve, I didn't really think that. I just felt bad. I want to write this. So I'm avoiding that. They'll, they will be different from the films we talk on the podcast. We'll be, I already have them actually all picked out. Well, that's not true. This is what I wanted to say. I have about 21 of the 31 picked out. So if anyone Ooh. wants to comment, send emails to Steve Rye about what I should do in there. I'm going to put something on Instagram soon as well. But if there's any horror movies you particularly want to see reviewed um, that don't necessarily fit into um, this category, I would consider them for the un-Oscar vote as well. But I also would consider them for the other... Uh, 10 or so spots I have for my 31 horrors of October. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. Oh, and finally, mm. shout out to the Oscar Wieners podcast. Just discovered them. They are another podcast that looks at looks back at the best picture winners Ooh. while eating hot dogs. The Oscar Myers. <laughs> They have a they have unique hot dogs for every movie and I'm like, that sounds pretty fun. So guys, if you are listening, oh, you're doing you're doing good work. Let's get together. Enjoy your stuff. Sounds like good hot dogs too, man. But yes, yeah. definitely, definitely check out Matt's reviews. Fantastic. Thirty-one days of horror. He's like that's his jam, man. I feel I feel lucky to have him for this. Um, 
but like horror movies is where it's at. And so we're going to have a lot of fun in the month of October. But in the meantime, we're going to take a long break and we will see you next week to discuss Rebecca. But until then, we'll see you on the red carpet. Suspicion orbits my heart. Suspicion keeps us apart. Suspicion. Why touch me? Every time you call me and tell me we should meet tomorrow. <laughs>